Welcome to Functional Design Enclosure. I am Nate Jones. And I'm Christoph Newman. We're here to help you use closure and functional programming to make your everyday life as a developer less frustrating and more fulfilling. Yeah, we love talking about closure and we love talking about closure with you. So what is on your mind? What would you like to think about more, talk about more, learn more, uh, dig into more in the world of closure? We would love to hear about that. Yes. And uh, the way that you would let us know that you will allow us to hear about your questions and thoughts is to uh, send us a tweet uh, on Twitter, <laughs> of all places, at Closure Design, or an email uh, sent to feedback at closuredesign.club. We'll get into our inbox. Or if you'd like a semi-live interaction, uh, there's the Closure Design-podcast channel on the Closurian Slack. Hop on in. I suppose you could try <laughs> to send us a tweet on Instagram. Um, I'm not sure how that would work. Maybe you would screenshot the tweet and Instagram it, but you know, we, we, let us know if you figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you use closure to, to do that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And, and so speaking of things not working out quite right, this week we're going to talk about pitfalls in web development. Um, some, some of the stuff that we've run into ourselves as we've been doing like the backend side of web development. I mean, if you want to talk about pitfalls of front-end development, that's like a, a series in and of itself. What are you, you kidding me? Think? That's a whole. That's a whole podcast. A whole set of podcasts. Uh, right, front-end, front-end pitfalls. So we're talking about back-end web development pitfalls uh, this week, and the things that we've run into in our development. Yeah, you know, you just want to get something done. You just want to. You want to. You want to. Send send a request in and get 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 a response. You want to actually get something done, but you've been banging your head against the wall for you know half an hour trying to figure out why the request has not come back. Okay, or why you're getting some weird exception. Um, well, these are yeah. We're we're here, <laughs> we're here to look at the scars on our arms, and and tell you about them, and uh, and in the in the hope that you will not you will avoid those uh, in in your development. Yeah, before the show, we were talking about pitfalls, and it's like uh, doing a pitfalls episode is a little easy because you remember the pain. <laughs> you just you just look for the wounds, you know the the leftover scars, as you said. That's a nice way of putting it, <laughs> and catalog them <laughs> so that you uh, don't go down that road again. But one one of the ones that really I feel comes up pretty early. It did for me and for most of the closure developers I've worked with is, is exception handling. So you, you have your web handler, it throws an exception and by default in ring, that exception is going to just fly all the way back and you're going to get this, um, web response body that is a stack trace, which is not, not, I, I'm trying to think if that is ever the right choice. Uh, <laughs> it's never been well, the right choice for us. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think that it. Gosh, that I yeah, I never even thought about trying to think about when it would might be the right choice. But there, there's a lot of reasons why it's the wrong choice. <laughs> um, right, leaking information. You know, like it's not parsable. If you're writing a JSON API, it certainly doesn't parse as JSON. You know, it, it's completely confusing. Yeah. Right, yeah, definitely not good. It's way, it's way oversharing. It's TMI for the web. <laughs> right, and so one of the ways we deal with that is to have a a we wrap we 
we take a function that kind of gets wrapped into the chain of middleware that catches the exception and returns a, a sane response instead, which is basically like internal server error. Like, like our worst case handler is a document body that is like internal server error and the uh, status code of 500, which is internal service error. And, and it doesn't reveal anything. It's not super helpful, but at least we're not leaking programming gobbledygook and potentially confidential information like back to the client. Right. That's like the, yeah. the handler of last resort, just just to get that installed. Yeah. And, and, and it's it's also it, it's important because it means that uh, if all of our responses are JSON, that also our errors are JSON, too. So there there's there's a consistency in in our in our in, in our contract for returning. So we don't have to we don't have to program a special case in the client where we go, oh, well, this is an error. So I must you know, now I have to parse you know, some other format, I can just parse that also. And, and, and like right. we said before, we like, we like sending back nominals, um, like adding that error or sorry, adding that user it, it was failed because the user was found, not, you know, a huge stack trace or adding it was found because adding it was failed because their password was bad or like that, you know, but like small little nominals mean you can take that and translate it into whatever the right error messages on your front end. Yeah. And so I guess we could have done a whole episode on error handling, but basically like as you're saying, we structure our error handling in in about three layers, right? One is like the the error handler of last resort that we hope to never hit, but just in case something really goes off the rails, it won't leak a stack trace back and it will it will error log out the stack trace like to the the application log. The next one mm-hmm. is like a protocol, a protocol appropriate layer. So we'll wrap any handlers, like if we're writing a JSON API, we'll wrap any handlers with that one. And, and it will guarantee that if an error comes out, it's returning JSON back. It's sending content type JSON. So, so no one will ever call a JSON endpoint and then get like a text response or HTML, even worse. Like one of, I know, Nate, this is one of your most favorite pet peeves <laughs> is calling a JSON endpoint and getting an HTML error. Like back, right? Like we never, we would never want to do that in ours. I do not want to and see then, CSS in my error. No, please. Right. And then in the application handlers, like, like in the very specific, like route handlers, then we will have a try catch in there in the actual handler itself that will return some kind of like sane response that is appropriate for that specific piece of logic, you know? So just in case we miss that handler or we screwed up in some other way, we have the JSON level one to catch it. And just in case something went off the rails there, like uh, we returned something that maybe couldn't be turned into JSON or something, I don't know. Then we have the one of last resort. Yeah, actually, that that's really, uh, yeah, that's a good way of, of laying out the layers <laughs> uh, of, ha- of air handling. And it also reminds me of another um, thing I've run across where I basically have... Um, uh, middleware that that doesn't that depends on other middleware being there, like it's basically like the two two layers of middleware that are coupled to each other. So if one if they're in the wrong order, that causes an error. Um, your the error exception right. handling you just talked about that doesn't have that problem because each one is is self contained. They're, they're they're like layers of they're like belts, suspenders, and a jacket. You know, like there's all these like ways of <laughs> holding your pants up. Um, 
But how do you hold up your pants with a jacket? I that I'm very curious. <laughs> There's that drawstring <laughs> at the bottom. You know, you just, you just oh it up. yeah yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the, the, but, the, but, the holder of last resort. Right, they're de- it, they're they're decoupled, like they're they're all in place just in case. Oh, that rhymes. But they're decoupled, as opposed to tightly coupling two different layers of middleware. Right, that that becomes more of an issue. Um, definitely. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of the the microservices uh, architecture taken a little too far. Like having each one in one do its its own separate little thing that you combine together can be make each each layer smaller, but it doesn't necessarily make it simpler. Um, it's much better to to take an entire concern like serialize into JSON and do it all in one step, as opposed to breaking that into multiple steps because just because you can. Right, and so like authentication and authorization, you know, something like that can be tricky. If you, if you, you, you have like a couple of choices, right? Do you have uh, one layer middleware that's responsible for getting the identifying like tokens and then resolving it into credentials and then a different layer middleware that's like not credentials, but identity information and rights information. And then you have another layer of middleware that's resolved for like taking the identity and rights information and then applying a security policy. But then then you end up in this weird situation where like, what if something went wrong with the higher layer of middleware? The lower layer of middleware won't necessarily really know. And and then and then and then you end up in all like then you can end up granting access. So so it's almost better to like compose those things together as as or or construct those things together as their own layer instead of trying to separate separate it out, you know. Right. Yeah, you you can actually do a, like a, a sub middleware approach there where you compose together the way of your own like pulling it out of, out of the out of the request and 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 figuring out authorization, bundle that together into one one middleware and then apply that middleware into your into your chain. So there's only one thing. Yeah, and so like definitely something to watch out for and avoid is something that handles the request and it, it generates keys in in the request a middleware that generates keys in the request and then some other layer of middleware that takes those keys and like turns them and generates some other keys and maybe even removes those keys right and so it's if you think of all this stuff as additive uh it, it, that's probably the most helpful like you definitely don't want to like uh like like modify things Oh wow! Yeah, um, and then not. pass it down. Except, it, and the <laughs> only case I can think of is like body. Body gets a little weird, right? Because like, if you're gonna deserialize body and turn it into JSON, which the JSON middleware does, then you are like kind of replacing the raw thing that you got. But but like the idea is, if middleware just adds, it doesn't modify, it doesn't remove. You know that that is helpful in in having them not be so coupled. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I, I think, yeah, I think the more you keep things into one in one step, that means that you're 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 not going to be checking for some other middleware to have fulfilled your contract before you can carry on. You, it's all in one in one in one logical blob. But uh, but what you said about the 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 body messing, <laughs> the body mucking, <laughs> body. Uh, Munging. Yeah, messing with the body. <laughs> yeah, that that, that, that like definitely a is something to be very very 
uh, very careful about. Um, I remember early on, I would just, <clears throat> or there there have been times where I've just like returned um, a, a closure data structure, uh, and I assumed that I had a middleware somewhere that would turn it to JSON, and it didn't. <laughs> and um, right. So then I got I got I got a nice. Uh, I can't remember what it was. I think it just serialized it to a string, so it was like a memory address or whatever. Um, or is like a PRSTR. Anyway, it wasn't what I what I wanted. It wasn't useful to my front end. Um, and so you have to be careful to 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 know what your body is um, in your handler because otherwise you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna return the wrong thing. Right. A lot of the ring handlers, the ones that just ship with ring itself, um, middleware. Uh, did I say handlers? A lot of the ring middleware functions, you know, they're they're additive. Like they add keys. They'll read things out of the query string and add keys into the map, or they'll 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 parse some things in, parse form like form data requests and add it into the map. Um, but but yeah, for some reason, things that convert the body that replaces body, so you run into this trouble. And so, just specifically, beware that body may not always be like a stream. Right, like coming in, it may not necessarily be an input stream if there's some other middleware that has mucked with it. Going out because Ring lets you return a string or uh, an input stream for the contents that output stream for the contents that you know get written. Or Ring also lets you just return a file handle that we were talking about before. Like, oh, here's here's a file object. So there's a number of like different kinds of things. So just uh, pitfalls, just kind of beware that body may not be the thing you think it is. <laughs> and so you have to have like a lot of clarity on what the middleware chain is specifically for body. Yeah, and maybe even, especially if you're doing like a response side, like where you're taking the response, the the, the results of a handler and, and doing something with the body, um, maybe throw like a cond in there so that you're handling, you know, is this a string, is this a whatever, and then have an else block to be like, Ah, this is unhandleable, and so at least it will show up in your log, and you can see where it was instead of it just blowing up somewhere and and you not being aware of it. Yeah, and so one thing that we do is is if you think about like these middleware functions, they're pure, right? And you can compose them at a number of different places. So so one of the things that we do is for these middleware handlers that are like mess with stuff more, like the JSON deserialization, reserialization, like we'll actually compose it on to the route handler. Um, like we'll compose it onto each route handler, right? And so rather than just kind of composing it in the chain, like... Like then when we're looking at the code, we can see, oh, that handler like goes through this, these layers. And so it, it might feel a little repetitive to like compose, compose, compose on each of the route handlers. But it's really nice from a documentation point of view. It reads pretty well like, oh, well, this is a JSON endpoint. Got it. It's going to it's going to have these semantics. Right. It's the it's the case where a little bit of repetition makes for a lot of clarity, and um and 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 it's less clever, um, which is also something you want to avoid. Right. So like we have this, I'll call it a meta middleware <laughs> called JSON <laughs> in, JSON endpoint. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so it's called JSON endpoint. And what JSON endpoint is is a composition of our JSON like last resort error handler. And then our JSON serialization, deserialization layer. 
and and then we will compose that JSON endpoint meta middleware with the actual route handler itself. So when we read our code, we're like, oh, that's a JSON endpoint. That's a JSON endpoint. That's a JSON endpoint. Um, and then we can throw all the kind of the 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 well-known layers that JSON things need to go through all in that JSON endpoint meta middleware function. <laughs> <laughs> meta middleware. Yeah. <clears throat> And uh, and and speaking of Jason, we uh, we quite often run into cases where um, where we give Jason the Jason serialization uh, something it doesn't like. <laughs> oh yes, yes, uh, this is definitely a pitfall for <laughs> for Jason endpoints we, or uh, or non like textual endpoints. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess you'd probably run into this if you're trying to serialize to uh, Transit or XML or Eden or something like that. Uh, Eden might. Eh, who who knows? Um, well, you you'd get something, but you wouldn't get what you expected. Um, but like right, if you... Java can turn about just about anything into a string. So so long as you're like sending like string data back, you know, it might look totally bizarre, but at least it's not going to explode, right? <laughs> but as soon as you try to turn it into something structured, like oops, I accidentally gave it an atom. <laughs> that, that's what I've done before. <laughs> not a deref, not the contents of the atom, but the actual atom itself. That's a really simple way to make your serialization layer explode. <laughs> right. And there's not really a good way of like protecting yourself against that. Um, it's just something to be aware of. I mean, you, you could probably walk, make a closure walk function that would go through and look for anything that's not, you know, a, a primitive like a closure primitive. Um, but that strikes me as something you'd only really want to do in dev. So, um, yeah, but you will run into well, it. Yeah, you, the, yeah, it's an error. It's a bug, right? So you just, you want to make sure that that bug looks, gets logged out. That error gets logged out. Yeah, yeah but definitely. That, that's a great example. So we talked about like the different layers of error handling. And so so let's say the the route handler, the actual logic for that endpoint, you know, the route handler passed something out. It thought it did its job. It passed something out that wasn't serializable. So then it's going to go up to that JSON serializer. And that JSON serializer, if that explodes, you know, you have like one or two options depending on how you compose things in, right? You can have your JSON last resort handler actually emit a JSON error back to the client while you log all the gory details. But if But if you don't do it in the right order, then... What's going to happen is that error will actually fly up to your your error handler of last resort, and that will give you a lot less information, presumably, and certainly be less useful for the client, right? So you got to be really aware of the order of that composition, which is why we have our meta middleware <laughs> for that, <laughs> to get that right every time. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you you really you really got to be able to serve two two customers when in your error handling. You got to serve the the client and you got to serve your development uh, purposes. And they, they're two different customers. They need different layers, of, different levels of information. Definitely. So um, reducing that coupling by you know kind of composing to, on the endpoints themselves allows you to see how you're serving that too. Another area that we have definitely run into. Um, is around threading because most of most of these handlers have the most of the ring implementations so the ring um, whatever they're called I'll call them adapters. ring implementations adapters thank you <laughs> <laughs> no worries ring adapters have thread pools 
And and then it, as those thread pools, like there's requests that need to get served and there aren't threads, those thread pools grow. But if you if you need to serve like a ton of concurrent requests, and, and so in development, of course, this is never an issue. You know, you're revving, you're hitting it, you know, maybe you're doing like three or four concurrent requests at once. Wow, you know, 10. <laughs> but then as you start to really hit this endpoint, um, you, you're going to have scaling issues because of the thread pools. And and you need to be aware like the like you, you, you start getting so many threads that it becomes an issue. And so then you have to start thinking about something like async requests instead. Yeah, I mean, you could even get before, even before you get to async, you can do something where you like it depends on what your you know what your application architecture is. Like you could get it so that you you use a core async channel or something to offload that request to another thread and then return a hey, I submitted the request response. Like that if you if you can get it so the work is not part of that thread, um, it'll 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 increase your concurrency. Um, but right. Yeah, like at, at, like there there's t- sort of two options because core async is async, but it's not the <laughs> async. I don't think it's the async I was talking about. Like right. so, ring ring has an asynchronous request mechanism that you can use in this specific scenario, and and that can have some implications on your middleware. Like be aware, right? Especially if your middleware isn't pure, <laughs> but um. Or you can still use the normal thread things and use core async to allow that thread to get freed up for a while while other work gets done because core async doesn't just sit there blocking that thread um, necessarily, depending on how you're handling it. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something you will not encounter at all in development. And then you will encounter it in production. And that'll be a fun lesson to learn. (laughs) What to say it's fun. Right. And yeah, and so then that's the other thing is like if you if your uh, route handler goes off and tries to do IO to the database, it's just sitting there tying up that thread. Um, it could be it could be a real issue if a lot of things do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Another way that we've kind of run up against um, problems inside of handlers is that if you have a handler that is not this doesn't fit the request uh well like for instance if you have a post request post requests almost always have bodies but if you have a handler that you accidentally wire up to like a get handler which is usually only ex- expecting um uh get parameters yeah, like query and query yeah parameters, get parameters yeah then then it will the, the it won't know to look in the body for the data and so sometimes you can bundle together like multiple multiple methods with the same request or say or the same handler, uh, but a lot of times you'll end up with with um, a lot of extra logic in there, and you can just split it into multiple handlers. Yeah, and so like depending on what we use, Composure, but depending on your routing, like your routing library, the library that helps you solve the routing concern and make your routing middleware <laughs> since after all, <laughs> this is just one big happy composed function at the end of the day, right? So depending on your routing, like your routing helpers, middleware helpers, um, you might accidentally be listening to more HTTP method types than, than you're aware of. Like you might accidentally be listening for get requests, even though the handler is a post handler. So it's going to try to access a body that won't be there and freak out, right? And Composure makes it like really obvious 
Like you can't, you can't, I'm not aware of a, at least a way in composure to sort of star across all the methods, like, like listen to star, uh, because that's not usually the right thing, but it, something like a post versus a put, you know, like I've definitely written handlers that can handle both of those because people who are very like f- fond of rest might want to be doing a put request instead of a post because they feel that it's more, uh, you know, more pure and proper S- semantic. Yeah, semantic. There you go. Semantically <laughs> ac- correct. We 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 personally just use post for everything because of cross origin issues. Um, so post post gives you a lot of benefits out of the box, and so we don't tend to do get requests if we don't need to, because of the additional security protections that come with cross origin resource sharing protections and things like that. Um, oh yeah, if that's you use definitely post. the pitfall. If you're if you're if you're in development, especially, uh, but then even in production, de- depending on if your if your front end is served from a different URL than your back end, then you're gonna right. you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna not not gonna be able to to get any requests done because the browser is gonna protect you protect that server. <laughs> right, like you're in development, it's all on your local machine, but then in production, the front end, for what we do, we do a lot of, uh, you know, the, um, single page applications, so it's all Ajax, like a- XHR requests back to the server. And so then the front end is coming off of like a CDN, it's all static and served, highly available, and the back end is a, it's a different subdomain. So then all of a sudden the API requests start failing because it's a cross-domain issue. And it's like, oh no, we forgot the core's middleware, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and so, definitely, like, it's a more specific thing. If if you've run into it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But if you haven't run into it, yeah, be beware. If you're making um, dynamic requests to the back end, and it's a different domain, you you need to get yourself some core's middleware and to handle the options requests. Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, you can just say like, you know, allow anyone. Um, but 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 cores is very flexible. You can you can get down to pretty specific about what 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 hosts can and cannot um, hit your API. So yeah, in general. it's it's like deny by default allow. So it's like deny and then allow. So that's that's probably why it's a pitfall as you don't realize and and then nothing works. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's really easy to uh, discover. All your users tell you that it doesn't work. Yeah. So nice of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, boy, that's a lot of pitfalls in our web of complexity. <laughs> maybe there's, maybe there just are a lot of pitfalls in complex systems. What do you think, Nate? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think we, we, I think if we thought a little bit longer, we could come up with even more. Um, but, one of the reasons why I like the middleware approach is because you can handle a lot of these and then you can just, you know, you don't have to worry about them in your handler. Um, right. And when we move into a new project, we can basically copy over, you know, especially like things like the cores handler and the JSON handler, like, or sorry, middlewares. We just keep the, keep those. And, and, and now we are protected against all that, that whole range of, of problems. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So uh, we hope that you have been enjoying this web series and we'd love to hear from you. Um, and we've gotten some feedback already, which is great. We'd love to hear more feedback. So um, we tell, tell us what you think. Um, you can reach us on Twitter 
at Closure Design or send us a good old-fashioned email at feedback at closuredesign.club or come chat with us in Closure Design podcast channel on the Closurian Slack. <laughs> yes, we would like feedback from you. We would not like to hear feedback from our mics. Uh, so <laughs> right. you can uh, find our past shows, uh, our past episodes and show notes on the web at closuredesign.club. Please uh, check those out. That's that's it. So that's going to be it for this week. We'll be back next week to chat about closure even more. But until then, thanks for listening. <laughs>